1: And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Our second reading is from Romans chapter 8, from verse 14, where the Apostle Paul talks about uh, what life in the Spirit looks like. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I'll hand over to Matt now.
0: evening, friends. It is... Very disappointing to not see your lovely faces this evening, instead be looking into this very uh, expensive but great camera, but not as good as looking at you. Uh, As Andrew has said, we're beginning a new series today. As the Lord would have it, in what God willing will be a short period where we are away from our building, uh, we have the theme of God's fatherhood to meditate upon. And I think this is actually quite a helpful point to be considering and to be filling our hearts with as we go through another little kind of tumult of a time. Now when we think of God as fathers, all kinds of different things that can come into our mind and complications. All of us know of earthly fathers or have had an earthly father, and those experiences often fill a void uh, uh, and give us a prism through which we understand God as Father. Some of us have had great fathers. Some of us have never known our Father. Some of us have recently lost our Father, even in our congregation this evening. But all of us have had an experience of earthly fatherhood. But what I want to contemplate today in particular is the absolute difference of what it means to have a father in heaven. And how utterly unique, primary, transcendent he is, and how utterly different to any earthly father. You really don't need any experience of any earthly father to know him clearly and well. Soren Kierkegaard, in speaking about the fatherhood of God, said the divine father's love is the one unshakable thing in life. In the Christian life and in all of existence at the heart of the universe, immovable, is a loving father. He says, we call God Father, we rest happily and confidently in this name as the most beautiful, the most uplifting, but also the truest and most expressive names for God. It's an extraordinary name for God, Father. It's not a name used in any other religion, Uh, a phrase of such intimacy and relational closeness. It talks of the unique relational God we meet in the gospel. And so let's consider this evening what does it actually mean when when Jesus invites us in Matthew 6 to pray to our Father in heaven? Who is he talking about? And how do we approach him really? Let's fill in that name we know with the fullness of the revelation of scriptures. Now, I'm going to move across a whole bunch of scriptures this evening. Uh, I'm not going to go into great detail into any one of them. I'm not going to go through all the exegesis of the passage surrounding it. You can go do that in your quiet times this week. You could pick one a day and uh, continue with walking with God as Father through the whole week. But I do have four things to tell you this evening about your Father in heaven. And the first is this, that in Matthew 6, when Jesus invites us to pray to God the Father, he's inviting us to pray to his Father. Which is to say, he's not just generally speaking of an approach to God, of coming onto a cozy, intimate terms with a sky daddy. He's not speaking metaphorically or with an analogy. He's not just giving us an idea of how to relate to God. He is speaking about his father, whom he has known for all eternity, who he is the secure, eternally begotten son of, He is inviting us to pray to that father, his father. And what happens in the Gospels as Jesus begins his public ministry is we actually also, in a few occasions, hear the voice of his father. Here's three for you. As Jesus begins his public ministry and is baptized in the Jordan by John the Baptist, the the heavens open and the spirit falls down uh, like a dove upon Jesus. And then there is what? A voice from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. As Jesus takes on his public ministry, all of a sudden the heart of the eternal God is open to us. A son and a father and a spirit. Jesus reveals the fullness of God to us And we hear the voice of the Father. Again, in the the transfiguration, when Jesus goes on top of a mountain with his disciples and he begins to glow with his heavenly glory. Again, a voice from heaven. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. The Father pointing us to his son. A father defined by having a son in the spirit. And finally, my favorite, John 12. Jesus is praying, Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven. Ever happened to you in prayer? I have glorified it and will glorify it again, which sounded like thunder to those present. Here is God the Father with his thunderous voice from heaven. There is a Father of Jesus Christ who has eternally begotten the Son in the Spirit. He is the one from whom both proceed. He is the eternal God. And so when we are speaking of God as Father, we're not speaking generally of God, but specifically of what the Christian God is. Father, Son, and Spirit. We are gazing into the center of all things, into the immovable heart of God. God the Father, from whence Son and Spirit come. And Jesus invites us to pray to this Father. What defines us as a community is a community of prayer to the Father revealed in Jesus Christ, who call on Him as Jesus Christ does in His life. We are never more the children of God than when together We pray to this Father, the Father of Jesus Christ. But there's more to be said of of who this Father is. And the second thing we see in a passage in Ephesians is that, that this Father is the source of all fatherhood and indeed all things. Now this is from a little passage in Ephesians that if you weren't looking for it, you would completely miss. It's just a short sentence by which Paul kind of begins his prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. But it has a profound insight for us into God the Father. He says this, For this reason, pointing to the uh, context above, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. How does Paul relate to this Father? He kneels. He bows his body before his majesty and authority and power and glory. To come before this power, to come before this father, is not a small thing to this holy God. And what does he say about him? He's the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And see how I've noticed uh, or made clear that, that that word father, that word family, they're from the same word, from the word for father. Uh, the word family is kind of the, the word for fatherhood or just a way of describing what families are in the ancient world. All families had a forefather, a father for whom they were named. And so things were Uh, kind of described and defined by who your father was. That would describe your communal identity, your ethnicity, whom you belong to. People were used to talking about father in this way, but here we're told that God the father is the source of all fatherhood, which is to say, earthly fathers are not the example from which we derive what God is like, but it is what God is like that defines all fatherhood. And at this point, we have to start teasing apart what it means, the difference really between an earthly father and a heavenly father. They are very distinct and different. Soren Kierkegaard it kind of dives into this. Uh, he had a very complicated relationship with his own father for a variety of reasons I can't go into, but yet he, he describes for us the relation between earthly and heavenly fatherliness it's as it says in the as the apostle says quoting our text from him all fatherliness in heaven and on earth derives its name therefore even the, if you had the most loving father given among men he would still be despite all his best intentions but a stepfather a shadow a reflection a simile an image a dark saying about fatherliness from which all fatherliness in heaven on on earth derives its name. What we glimpse in earthly fathers is but a fraction, but a saying, but a a snippet of who our heavenly father is. Let's just dig into this just a little bit further. Think about this. God, your father in heaven, does not have a body the same way as your earthly father does. And therefore, our heavenly father is not in the same way even male. He does not have gender in the same way as your father. Scripture reveals him as father and calls him him, his. That is the way to address him. But who he is as father transcends the category of male or female. He doesn't have a body. He does not have the difference of sex that he has woven into creation. In this little way, our heavenly Father is of a grandeur, of a significance, of a weight, of a glory, of a love that just makes earthly fathers pale in comparison. Paul, I think, uh, hints toward this as he talks about Uh, everything in heaven deriving its name from him. Which doesn't mean much to us, but if you're in Ephesus, they were used to calling on the powers of heaven. They were a magical city. When there was a mass conversion, they burned books of witchcraft. But Paul wants to say here that even the fatherhood of heaven, even the magical powers and names that might be, even their fatherhood comes from God the Father. Everything comes from him all authority, every name, every fatherhood. He is the source of it all. He is the reason it is, and it is all for the glory of his name. Are you starting to capture the bigness of God as Father? This is why when Jesus invites us to pray to God as Father, he actually instructs us to not pray first about us, but about him to pray for the hallowing of his name, to pray about his will and his kingdom and his power and his glory. Because if he is this font of everything, if he is the eternal holy father of all, then we too are to bow our knee and to pray for the honoring and hallowing of his very name and not our own. Friend, you may have become a bit too familiar with him. Maybe just a little presumptuous at times. Remember the one to whom you have come. The eternal father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But you might be thinking then, well, how dare I at all approach him? How could I have a voice before him? How could I be significant to him at all? And here's where the wonder of the gospel really takes hold. As we saw it said in Romans chapter 8, in a remarkable way, through Jesus Christ, by the Spirit, Jesus' Father really does become our Father. Really. Yours. Mine. We are his. God the Father sends his Son into the world to reveal himself to the world and sends the Spirit into the heart's of, uh, of His children, that we might become His. And so by Son and Spirit summons us into His family. Romans 8 says, The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children see the spirit brings about a change of status for us he includes us into christ the son and makes us sons and daughters children of god himself i love how as paul is uh, describing this beautiful reality he feels the need to caveat it with this thing about slaves that were not made slaves who live in fear which I think is simply the reality that all of us often feel that we don't really belong with this God, with this Holy Father. That really, if he has us, he maybe has us on begrudging terms. That maybe as a slave to a master in a harsh, slightly fearful relationship is really what we ought to get from God. Friend, do you feel that this evening? Paul says the spirit you have received has not made you a slave in fear, but has made you a son. A son with inheritance. A son with a secure position in the Father's affection and in his house. Just just, just drink this in, friends. The Spirit, He, he brings about our adoption to sonship and it's by him, through him in us, we cry Abba Father. Not apart from him, Not on our own trying to reach God in heaven, but through him. As Sarah Coakley says, into the ceaseless divine dialogue between spirit and father, the Christian prayer is thus caught up and so transformed, becoming a co-heir with Christ. We are swept up into the father, son, and spirit. In the son, by the spirit, praying to God our father. You might be thinking, that's too wondrous to believe to be true, but that's why Paul says, you know what God has done? He sent his spirit inside us, and he testifies the words for, for witnessing, for coming along some, someone and confirming something to them. The Holy Spirit has come alongside our spirit, our heart, and is tapping on us and saying, you are his you are a son, you are a daughter, you are a child. As this scripture is read today, he is tapping on your very heart, telling you that you need not feel like a slave. You are a son, you are a daughter. This reminded me of something that happened with Lucy last year. I'm not going to tell lots of stories about being a dad in this series. I just don't, I want to separate earthly and heavenly a, a little bit. But this story really helps with this text, I think. Lucy and I read this beautiful uh, ABC picture book, beautiful illustrations. And when you get to the letter D, there's a dad with a daughter. And Lucy opens to the page and she points at the dad and the daughter. And as she's looking at it, she looks up at me and with her little hand just taps me on the heart. And then brings it back and taps herself on the chest as well. As if to say, This is us. I am yours, and you are mine. You're my dad, and I'm your daughter. So, to the Holy Spirit inside you today, is tapping on your heart, saying, You are a son, you are a daughter. And it cries out, He cries out to God, and God the Father looks on you as a son, as a child. So friend, you can approach God today in God's spirit, as a grace of the gospel. But finally, we really should approach our Father both securely, intimately really, but also reverently. Isn't that holding together what we've walked through in the scriptures today? That it's actually Jesus' Father, that he is the Holy Father of all. And yet we are invited into close terms with him. I don't know which way you kind of forget at times, whether you forget how big he is or you forget how close he is, but it's hard to have both in your heart at the same time, I think. But maybe you're one way or the other this evening, and maybe the Scriptures and the Spirit is pointing you one way or the other. John Owen just summarizes this really beautifully for me in his little book, Communion with God. He says four things about communing with God as Father and kind of letting these truths today settle in your heart. He says, you've got to let it start with rest, Resting in who you are, in the Spirit's testimony that you are a son and a daughter, and that it doesn't require more of your effort, your merits, your prayers, your goodness, your Bible reading habits, or or a truer faith. You're His by His Son, in His Spirit. Not only rest in that, but delight in it. Because what does that mean? That The Father looks on you in the same way He looks upon His Son. He looks upon Jesus with an eternal, unchangeable, delighting love. That same immovable love is now fixed upon you. Stop for a second. John Owen says, when you let that fill your heart and your mind, it is all soul conquering. But then John Owen says, What it should lead to is reverence. To not a fearfulness, but a sense of gravity about who your Father is, about what He is up to in the world, about the height of His glory and holiness. And then it should issue forth in obedience. If you are His, then His will is to be your will and his kingdom, your kingdom, and his glory, your focus, and his name, the focus of your efforts and your intentions and your prayers. If this is true today, this truth of adoption in the gospel, then we are to take up the Lord's prayer as our life's mantra, praying for the hallowing of our Father's name. You see, friends, Jesus Christ came into the world, bring about a family with God the Father. And he did it under Calvary's skies upon the cross, when a voice of love should have spoken over him again, as it did through the gospel, saying, this is my son whom I love. But instead, the sky was silent, filled with darkness and the Father's wrath. Your wrath. That instead the Father might speak on you to look upon you as his beloved son, as his beloved daughter, in whom he is well pleased. So brothers and sisters, let the Spirit fill up your heart with these things today. And take up the Lord's prayer as your life's
1: mission. Amen.